Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you late night tonight. Just had to get a podcast in. I've been chomping at the bit to do this. I've been watching edge rusher tape in any of the free time I can get. So I want to cover that. I also want to talk about the Denzel Ward extension. Jordan's sick. He couldn't join us. I had a long work day. I don't care. We're podcasting because it's draft season. And although it's draft season, as I said, we got to start with Denzel Ward. So I'm going to start there. Denzel Ward signs a contract extension for the Browns. Yay. Uh, And this is a big one. Uh, So let let me pull up the uh, official terms here from the contract extension. Five years, 105, 100.5 million dollar contract extension, 71.25 million guaranteed making Denzel Ward the highest paid cornerback in NFL history for the moment. As we know, the market typically will reset with the, uh, the next guy. So he, he passed Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but you know, I do believe there are some other guys that, that will likely pass him here shortly. Um, here are my thoughts. This is an overpay. I love Denzel Ward guys. He's a top 10 corner in this league. He's a really, really nice cover corner. And you know what? Beyond that, he's from Cleveland, Ohio. He's also a draft pick that actually worked out for us. There are a lot of reasons to love Denzel Ward. Oh, he's only 24 years old, by the way. So I I get it. This isn't like the worst contract in history or anything like that. You know, you're overpaying for a very productive player, uh, that you know is at a valuable position that is at a young age, but it's still an overpay. You know, I at the end of the day, you know, my job to come on here is, is to try to give you some objective analysis, right? Like I, I love Denzel Ward as a player. He actually wears my favorite number. As I said, he's from Cleveland. I actually, you know, have spent a little bit of time around Denzel Ward here and there. I love him. This is an overpay, though. I mean, just compare it to the contract that J.C. Jackson got this offseason. He got a five-year, $82.5 million contract, $40 million guaranteed. Now, I understand J.C. Jackson is two years older than Denzel Ward, but uh, J.C. Jackson is just as good, if arguably not better, than Denzel Ward. I mean, ask yourself this, Browns fans. Yes, Denzel Ward is the guy that gets the primary matchup uh, as most, you know, solid number one corners do. But do you think that the Browns ever go, okay, Denzel Ward has this guy today, no help, nothing, leaving him on an island, you know, much like the Rams do with Jalen Ramsey and, you know, the other top couple corners in the league that this contract equates to. That's not what the Browns do. I'm sorry. That's not what the Browns do with Denzel Ward. As I said, he is a top 10 corner. He is extremely solid. He's not this like shut down one half the field, put me on your number one receiver and forget about it type of corner. And that's what the Browns paid for. So it's an overpay. Again, it's not, I I don't think this contract is going to come back and haunt the Browns per se, uh, because, you know, I do think Ward's will mostly play, but here's the other thing too. And I do think this is fair to point out is Denzel Ward has struggled to stay healthy too. Now he played 15 games last year. Absolutely. But he only started 12 games every other year in his NFL career. 
I don't love paying for a guy right after his healthy, you know, his healthiest year at the top of the market. That's scary to me. So maybe the contract could come back to haunt the Browns a little bit. Again, you're paying for Ward through his prime. It's not the end of the world. And I thought another interesting note that came out was it did reduce his cap hit for this year. And as these extensions often do, his cap hit went, I think, from something like 12 or $13 million down to five. Again, freeing up the Browns, you know, maybe to make some more moves along the way. Uh, not sure what those moves are going to be. Hopefully one of them involves Jadavion Clowney, as we'll get to. But, okay, so you create more, uh, you know, cap space, which the Browns may have needed to do with this Baker Mayfield situation and everything else that's been going on with the team. I get that. But, I mean, you look at it. I mean, what is this, you know, four years from now? He's a $27 million cap hit? I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to have on your books for a guy who at that point, you know, again, I expect to be productive, but it's just not a guarantee. And again, he's not, he's a good corner. You're just, it's not like you're getting this front end production. That's, you know, Darrell Revis from the mid two thousands or even Jalen Ramsey of right now. Like that's not really what you're getting from Ward. So if I had to grade it, C minus, you know, C being average, I'd say slightly below what I was expecting. I would have thought 18 million a year, uh, you know, would be more realistic than 20, but that's not what it came in at. Again, it's a $2 million difference, but I will say this too. And I've seen a lot of this from Browns fans is, oh, the cap's not real. The cap's not real. The cap's not real. That is not true. Can we stop saying that in the NFL? It's just a pet peeve I have because it's not true. Like, yes, teams restructure contracts to get around the cap, but often it results in paying the piper later on. And often it results in these other moves around the margins that people don't pay attention to, I guess. Like, everybody's like, oh, my God, the Rams. Like, how are the Rams? The Rams. The Rams have let go, like, four or five quality starters because of their cap situation. Like, why do you think Sebastian Joseph Day – their defensive tackle that so many Browns fans wanted. He ended up signing with the Chargers. But why do you think that guy was a free agent? Because the Rams couldn't resign him. Like, this stuff matters. Like, why do you think Trey Hendrickson is on the Bengals? I think the Saints just wanted to let Trey Hendrickson walk for the fun of it. No. Hell, the Browns have two, you know, two guys from this from the Rams that they've let go that were starters on the team. Like, these moves around the margins do get affected by the salary cap. Again, there are ways around it. Yes, there are ways to restructure contracts. I'm not saying it's, you know, like the NHL hard cap for, for those who follow that sport or, or something like that. But it's not exactly just, oh, you know, you wave a magic wand and you figure out the salary cap. That's not how it works necessarily either. Okay. Just side rim for Browns fans. But you know, Denzel Ward, as I said, as an analyst, I grade the contract as a slight negative. As a fan, you got to be happy to have, you know, a 24-year-old in your city for a long time, a guy who's from the area. Yeah, it's cool. I always felt like the Ohio State guys always ended up on other teams, especially the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah, as an Ohio State fan, also, like, it's cool to have Denzel Ward be sticking around. Okay, now let's jump in to the main topic for today, and that's edge rushers. Why edge rushers? Well, because the Browns don't have an edge rusher right now opposite Miles Garrett. Maybe they will with Jadavion Clowney, but even so, even if they do bring back Clowney or another veteran on the edge, I do think it makes a lot of sense to take 
an edge in the second round. At some point, they have to solve this problem in a long-term way, opposite of Miles Garrett. Even if, uh, you know, it's a, a guy who's, you know, a, in the third position this year at edge. Because, again, we, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast. Like, yes, defensive tackle is a huge hole for this team. I don't think they're going to, you know, spend a second-round pick on a defensive tackle. I just don't think they're going to do it. It's, you know, maybe it's best player available, and they do. But, you know, defensive tackle is just not that valuable of a position. You can find these guys in the margins that that can get the job done for you. And I think the Browns were able to do that with McDowell last year, and hopefully they'll be able to do it with some other guys this year. Yes, they need another receiver. Uh, and maybe is some of the receivers uh, will be an option here too. I wouldn't hate that. Uh, I'll get into the receivers too at, at some point. But I do think edge would be my preference uh, if all things work out. And so that's the first position I want to take a look at. In my free time, I have been very busy, but in my free time, I got to eight prospects. I watched eight guys. I ranked them into tiers, uh, uh, three different tiers of guys that I think are, are day two prospects uh, or other people think are day two prospects. And I went and looked at their tape to see if I agree. Um, the first guy I had at the top, uh, let me let me list off the eight that I that I. Um, Watch. It's Arnold Ebikite. Um, I probably said that wrong. Uh, Mafi, Ajabo, Jake Jackson, Cameron Thomas, uh, Nick Benito, uh, Kingsley, Enigbare, and Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. Those are the guys I watched. I think I got them all. Uh, this is how I rank them. And, I, and I'll start with my top tier, my number one guy that I want the Browns to take in the second round is Ebikite. Oh, it's Ebikati, I believe, is how you say it. Ebikati, yes. Uh, is Arnold Ebikati, Penn State edge rusher. I, I, I don't know. I need, I need somebody to explain to me what's wrong with this guy. I, I, I really do. The guy had tons of power, uh, you know, a great, great bull rush that gave people problems, tons of power in his hands. He seemed to knock linemen all over the place. And then he also has that bend that everybody's looking for in a pass rusher, like that combination of power and speed that makes all great pass rushers. I saw it on tape all the time with this guy. So I, I just don't really understand why he's not a first round prospect, to be honest. I feel like that's what everybody's looking for in an edge rusher. And uh, I, yeah, I guess I, I I I looked for the the real weaknesses in, in his game, and I mean he's not good at as a run defender. That's kind of the thing. I don't know. I just don't really care to be honest. Like in, in today's day and age, it, to me, especially with the AFC, the quarterbacks that that the Browns are going to have to get after, and so many other teams. Like, yeah, would you like your edge rushers to be good run defenders too? Sure. But it's just not nearly as valuable as the pass rushing stuff. And to me, this guy has it. He absolutely has it. So I, I mean, we were watching edge prospects a bunch for the Browns pick, you know, uh, 22 last year. And I like Ebikati uh, a lot more than, than some of the guys that I watched last year. I mean, I, I, I don't really get uh, or why he's so far low in the draft boards. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing something. So, so people, please reach out, tell me. But other than him not being great in the run game, the other thing I know that I've seen is 
he doesn't fit the Browns age requirements. So some people are saying, or age guardrail, if you will, you know, he's a little bit of an older prospect. He transferred from Temple uh, to Penn State. So I, I guess that, you know, maybe he, he, people just don't think he's a great fit because he's a smaller guy, you know, he's six two, two fifty. 250, but man, I watch him and I'm like, I want this guy on my team, man. I get it. He's a redshirt senior and also he doesn't quite fit the, the Browns prototype, but oof, I watch him. I'm like, sign me up. So he's my number one guy in the class. I will bang my hand on the table for him. Uh, the next guy I have is David Ajabo out of Michigan. Um, and these two make up my top tier pass rushers. So for those who don't know, Ajabo was a surefire first round pick. And then he tore his Achilles at the Michigan pro day. Uh, you know, some of these guys that get hurt in the pre-draft process, it does affect them. Some of them never come back. Other guys, it doesn't matter. You know, Jeffrey Simmons, you know, I think had a torn ACL when he came out and then ended up being, you know, is one of the most disruptive pass rushers in the league. I understand he plays a different position, but, but you know, sometimes it matters in, in the long run. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, you're talking about an Achilles, uh, you know, for an explosive position. I mean, yeah, there's fair to be some concerns there. Uh, and for Jabo, uh, I do think there are some pretty clear weaknesses, but there's also some pretty clear strengths. And so I'll start with the strengths. Much uh, like Ebikati, he has what you want as a pass rusher, but it's more strengths and weaknesses. Uh, he is just a speed guy. Like his speed is killer. There's, there is no doubt about it. I think he ran a four five, something at the combine. His speed rush is nasty. It is, he burns tackles and you just, you can see it in your head working at the NFL level. And he's got a great counter move to it. He, he does the, the, the speed rush and the spin move inside. And he, Sometimes as an edge, if you've got two moves and they're they're counters to each other, that's sometimes all you need. I think I've noticed that more so, you know, as I've, as I've gotten uh, more into watching edge play in particular. Some of these guys, it's like, hey, you kind of don't need the whole bag if you're really good at a couple of things. So I could see Ajabo just being great with only those two things. Uh, he has no bull rush, so he has no power game. It's... I, and that's concerning to me because you wonder, hey, if the speed's not there post Achilles, like at quite the same level, like what is this guy? Because he has absolutely, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say absolutely no power, but just way less than you would expect for a guy, uh, you know, that's a first round caliber type of player. Uh, that also makes him a pretty big negative in the run game. Uh, there's, uh, I watched a great breakdown of him just getting blocked time and time again by a walk-on tight end at Michigan State. And it's like, yeah, you don't love to see that out of, you know, your future uh, NFL defensive end just getting absolutely tossed aside by this, you know, uh, let's not exactly a, a physical specimen, shall we say, uh, at Michigan State. So good for that guy. But yeah, I, I mean, Ajabo, here's the thing. He won't be ready for the season in all likelihood, at, the, at least, you know, for at least into a couple months into the season. He's not, uh, he, he is not, you know, a flawless prospect to begin with. But if he's there, I think you have to take him. I do. I mean, he's just one of those, like, if he falls that far, it's like, okay, 
you're passing up on the exact first round type of talent that so many people are looking for. He's a project and he's not a project even because of his skill set. He's a project because he's going to miss time. Uh, but the Browns can get away with that this year. I mean, that's not the end of the world. Again, if, if it is bringing back Clowney and he's coming in as your third pass rusher, like I kind of think that's okay. So I'd be, I'd be happy with uh, a job of coming to uh, the Browns as well, despite the fact he's a, a Michigan man. Another prospect that I need somebody to, get to, to talk me off the ledge of, because I don't understand why he's so low. And that's Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. Uh, again, somebody, he's a, he's a, he's a prospect. I don't understand why he's so low. I mean, I think consensus wise, he's one of the lower ones of the guys I looked at, but first off, this is a guy who's a freaking, you know, everybody has glowing things to say about him, uh, as far as him being an off the field leader, all that stuff, you know, three time captain at Kentucky, the only one ever he had melanoma on his foot and had surgery and then came back from that. You know, he's got a cool, nice story, all that kind of stuff. I usually don't care that much about the leadership stuff in the draft process, just because sometimes I think, Hey, there's some guys that ultimately aren't going to be leaders anyway. So who really cares? Uh, you know, if you're not good enough to play, if you're the bat, you know, a fourth defensive end, like who cares if you've got great leadership skills, like you're not going to use that where it matters is in the work ethic stuff. Uh, that's where it's like, okay, if you, if this guy thinks, uh, you know, if people think this guy's going to get better that I'm interested in, um, when I watch him, I see a guy that's pretty solid at a lot of things. I think he plays really smart. I think he's pretty athletic. I felt like I saw some people knocking his athleticism. I thought he looked pretty athletic on the field. I know he, he you know, he was slightly slower time and all that, but I mean, he's a bigger guy uh, as well at 6'3", 270. Hey, uh, I love him. I, I love guys that play smart football. And he was a guy that just time after time popped on tape where I was just like, okay, I love this. Like he's, He's doing this. He's making the great effort play. He's making the smart play here. Ooh, that's a little thing there that I really like. Uh, you know, I does he need to get better in certain areas? Absolutely. You know, he's got footwork problems. He's got some other stuff. I know some people say his bends not that great, but I I thought he was okay, honestly. Like I again, it was one of those things where I watched it and then I saw what people were saying, and I was kind of like. They don't match up to me. And I'm not, a, you know, I'm not Daniel Jeremiah out here, but I was like, when I watched the tape, that's just not what I see. I saw a lot of plays that I loved. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think will definitely be available for the Browns uh, if, in the second round. Now, maybe even the third round, to be honest. And I will be thrilled if he ends up on the Browns. Absolutely thrilled. Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, again, it was one of those things where I watched all the guys and I was just like, um, why? Uh, I, why is he so low? Uh, so he's my he's the guy I have at the top of this tier two. I do think, you know, he's not the, you know, the the athletic freak that some of the other guys are. Uh, he's not the dynamic pass rusher that, that the top two guys are. But I do like him a lot as a prospect. I think he would come in and be really solid for the Browns right away. Um. Next up, I have Boye Mafe out of uh, Minnesota, and and Mafe is uh, just a a 
freak show of an athlete. I think he ran a 5340. Uh, he's got a you know, 38 vertical jump, 10-5 broad jump. Uh, he is, he, frankly, he's the kind of guy that I could see somebody reaching on early because he's just one of those edge rushers that you know an NFL team is going to talk themselves into because he is so explosive that somebody is going to say, we can fix the the issues that he has because he has a bunch of tech is technique issues. It's really, you know, he takes these weird paths to the quarterback all the time. Uh, it, sometimes he, you know, his, his footwork is all over the place. I mean, again, I am no pass rush expert and you watch him and you're like, Oh, that, that doesn't look right. Oh, that doesn't look right. Like, what about that? And so he's a traits guy. Like you are betting on the traits. Now, uh, he is also, uh, I, outside of the, the Browns guardrails, uh, as far as age, that's going to come up with a fair number of the guys I watched, actually. So maybe the Browns won't take uh, a, a chance on him. But frankly, I expect him to not even be on the board at 44. I'm telling you, somebody is going to talk themselves into this guy because you just, you see the combine stuff. You see the the athleticism show up at times on the field. And somebody's going to say, I can coach this guy up. I can fix all of the problems. Uh, and there are a lot of problems, but it, there's also a, a freak athlete in there where you're like, okay, if that guy figures it out, yeah, that's a problem. So yeah, I have him second in, in, in this tier. And, and when I rank the tiers, guys, it's, it's very specific because uh, I, I'm saying, hey, these guys are kind of interchangeable. Like, you know, I like this guy more than that guy, but if you want to make an argument for Mafe, for example, about Pascal, like I see that, uh, I get it. Uh, they all have kind of strengths and weaknesses, but this is just how I group them uh, together. So that that's uh, a point on the tiers. Okay. Next up, um, Benito uh, out of out of Oklahoma, Nick Benito, another smaller edge guy who I mean, Ojabo I would label as a two trick pony. Benito is a one trick pony. Speed, speed, speed. Uh, he, uh, he, I, I think I like him. Um, I, he, he's an analytical darling. He, he honestly, for a guy that ever, you know, for uses his speed all the times. Every once in a while, he, he does show some flashes of power. Every once in a while, I'm just like, okay, there's some physicality there. There's something there. Uh, you know, maybe that's. Uh, something going forward. He's just small, man. He's just small. Uh, and uh, that's makes him a weakness and a liability in the run game. It makes you wonder if he'll ever have enough power to really threaten tackles off the edge, uh, or if he's just going to get knocked around all the time. But as the league goes smaller from pass rusher, you know, I, I think it's worth saying, Hey, we can get this guy a couple more moves. Uh, as I said, maybe it's even a spin move like a Jabo, and then he's all of a sudden got a counter, and, and that's enough. So, I mean, the difference between him and Mafe is really not much, to be honest. I mean, Mafe is a better athlete, I, I guess, but I, you know, as I'm as I'm talking about it, as I'm thinking about it, I might have to move Benito up. I I am a sucker for the bend guys with speed off the edge. Like to me, that is the pass first move you just watch get tackles over and over again in the NFL. And yes, you have to have counter moves to that. But as the NFL gets quicker, as it gets faster, I want those type of guys that are winning with speed more often than power on the outside. So I think 
also think he's a nice little compliment uh, to Garrett too, in that way. So it's like, Hey, I mean, if you've got two of these guys that, that really have a lot of speed and I know Garrett's kind of got everything, but I would be really, really excited uh, uh, about a combination like that. The last guy having this tier, and I almost want to move him down to the next tier is Trent Jackson. This is where I'm happy. I'm not an NFL scout. I don't know what to do with Trent Jackson. Uh, so basically Drake Jackson, uh, was asked, you know, every, a lot of people have talked about it. So this is not going to be groundbreaking for anybody that has followed draft stuff, but he, he dropped a bunch of weight and then basically played, I guess, out of position is the best way to describe it at USC. He was dropping back in space all the time. It was really weird. Um, but he's gained a lot of weight. He tested well. People are really excited about his potential. I I just, I don't see anything on tape that gets me excited about this guy. I'm sorry. Like I get, I know he's got the traits, but I, in, I, I saw some clips where people are saying, Hey, he's got good bend here. Like, here's another example of, Hey, he's going to translate all this to the next level, man. I didn't see a lot of it on tape, man. I, I think, he, he just looked like he got overpowered all the time. Uh, I, I didn't love his physicality. Uh, I, I thought he missed a bunch of tackles. I There was nothing on tape where I was like, yes, like sign me up for that. I should, he played kind of weak. And I know he was lighter, but I just like, it was more the, the mentality. I mean, it just felt like he was getting cost all over the place all game I, he's not for me he's not for me um I, I i understand the traits part of it though i guess i should i should continue on by saying like yes he does have great testing ability i get that if the bend you know in, in the pass rush moves and all that stuff gets developed like there is maybe a pass rusher in there but when i watched him i just didn't see anything that got me actually excited about him Okay, so now we're going to get to tier three for me. I'm going to start with Cameron Thomas. Uh, this is this is the guy that I I just I get why some people like him, but to me, he's not somebody that gets me overexcited, uh, overly excited, just because I don't see the potential. He's over the age guardrail. He's not a very explosive athlete. Everybody's like, oh, he lined up all these different places at San Diego State. Like, it's really cool. Like, yeah, but okay. But if he's not really that good at any of them in the NFL, like, I don't really care that he's versatile if he's not good at anything, like elite at anything. Like, yeah. Do I think he'll be a decent run defender in the NFL, which everybody keeps bringing up? Sure. Again, I don't really care as much about it. I just don't care that he's going to, you know, potentially be this versatile guy who's good in the running game. Like, it's just not as important to me. And I don't think it should be as a, a priority for the Browns. And now the other thing that everybody's talking about is the Browns just hired his uh, former uh, defensive line coach from San Diego State to the Browns staff. So there's this idea that, hey, now, well, maybe the Browns will like him. They'll get him in here because his coach is here. To me, that's a horrible reason to draft somebody, number one. I don't think that's what the Browns are doing. But if anything to me that says, hey, the Browns think this guy got coached up pretty well in college and maybe there's not a lot more potential in him, which is exactly how I feel. So he was very productive. I get it. Like, you know, it, it's one of those things where 
when you get to day two or three, it's kind of like, hey, are we taking shots on traits? Or are we taking a, a, a guy on production who maybe the traits just don't line up for whatever reason, but he's able to produce? But this, he just, there's not enough, you know, the stuff he is producing at is just not getting me excited at the NFL level. It's just not. Uh, the last one I've seen some people get really excited about the last prospect is Enigbare uh, out of uh, South Carolina, I think. Yeah. And Enigbare, I mean, again, I, I, there's a, like, he's, he's Drake Jackson again to me. Like, yeah, the traits are cool and all, but I didn't see anything on the field that made me excited. Like he, he was a senior too. He's an older prospect. And there was nothing on tape that I watched where I'm like, sign me up for that. So, you know, with these guys, again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm not a scout. Cause I'm just like, okay. Like he's got great traits. He's fast. He's gonna, you know, he, I'm, he tested well at the combine, all that kind of stuff. But then I watch the tape and I'm like, there's nothing on the football field where I'm like, yeah, that's a guy that Brown should take day two, uh, you know, with their first pick in this draft uh, when they need somebody that's going to be a productive player. Like, sorry, it's he's a high risk type of guy. And I just I'm not sure it's there. Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing I did like is he's physical. He's really physical. Uh, and, and so that could be a nice uh, element, I guess, opposite Garrett as well as a guy who, hey, he's just going to play a really physical uh, brand of football uh, and, and get into guys that way, kind of be nasty. Uh, Garrett has some nastiness to him, but I think, you know, I've always thought Garrett's more of a, he's just got great skill to him uh, more and power more than, you know, pure nastiness. Uh, so maybe it's one of those things where it's like, hey, if this guy works out, like he's that that type of player that could be a nice fit next to Garrett if you want to go the opposite from the speed side of things. But outside of the physicality, I just I watched him and I thought, OK, this is a guy who, yeah, may have great physical traits, but if it didn't translate to the field in college in a way that that wows me, why am I supposed to get so excited about him doing the NFL? So for those keeping track at home, it's. Ebikati, number one for me, and I'm probably butchering these names. Sorry if I am, guys. I, I have not watched a lot of other people talk about these guys, so uh, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but I, I haven't heard their names as a original salt. Uh, Ajabo, too, uh, in a tier of their own. If either of those guys are available, please, please, please take them, Browns. Uh, then I've got Pascal at three, Mafe at four, Benito at five, Drake Jackson at six in tier two. And then I've got Cameron Thomas and Kingsley and Igbare in tier three. So those are the eight guys I looked at. Those are my thoughts on all of them. Guys, hit me up with who you want, uh, who you like out of this edge rushing class, who you want the Browns to take. I know there's some other guys that I didn't get a chance to look at too. I know. So there's some third and fourth round edge guys that some people like out there. I just only had so much time and I did want to give each of these guys a decent chunk of time so I could form my actual own opinions on them. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, as, as I mentioned, uh, you know, Ebikadi out of Penn State and, and Pascal would be the two guys I think I'm higher on than the consensus. And Ojabo, if he's there, I think you got to take him. I mean, the Achilles decision, yes, it's a it's a weird thing you got to deal with. But draft picks are meant for the long term. As much as people want them to come in and contribute right away, as much as the Browns draft picks have at times coming in and contributed right away, 
you can't count on that. And you do have to think about the long-term uh, with a job. And I think that would be the right move ultimately, even though it's a guy that's probably not going to show up in a hugely meaningful way this year. So that's my take on him. Uh, Cause I think that'll be one that people are talking about a lot on draft day as I mean, Hey, somebody could take him in the first round and just say, Hey, we don't care. Other people, you know, maybe he drops to the third round. I have no clue what NFL teams are going to do with his medicals. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. More draft coverage here coming up, but that was a first look at the edge guys. We'll get some guests on here to talk draft stuff too. Uh, I want to do all that. I just uh, haven't had a lot of time, but guys, the draft is coming up here very, very soon. So uh, get, get pumped, get excited and two words for you. Go Browns.